0: Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Monday, January 18th, 2021. It doesn't take Jesus for you to find somebody to tell you not to worry. Stevie Wonder can tell you that. Bob Marley can tell you that. You can probably find 50 podcasts telling you how to live an anxious, free life and countless numbers of self-help books telling you how to be anxiety free, right? I think we're all in agreement that we would rather not worry and we would encourage other people not to worry. But how do you not worry and why should you not worry? Those are questions that everybody needs to answer. And while it's easy for the world to even say, hey, don't you worry about a thing, Jesus is going to tell us why we shouldn't worry and even will give us instruction on how we can go about not worrying and not being dominated by anxiety in this life. So let's turn to Matthew chapter six, where today we'll be looking at verses 25 through 34 in a passage where Jesus tells us to not worry. Starting in verse 25, Jesus says, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than then clothing. There he says, don't worry. Don't worry about anything. And he really specifically there says what you will eat or what you will drink or what you will wear, even the basic necessities of life. He is telling his followers that they don't need to worry. Now, why is he telling that to them? And what is it that they should tell themselves when when they're asking themselves why? Why? they should not worry. And it comes down now to these illustrations that he gives. He says, first, look at the birds, look at the birds of the air. Do they sow or reap? Like, do they have 401ks? Do they have investment strategies? Uh, you know, do they have all this stuff figured out. They don't sow, they don't reap, but look at them. They always have food. And why is it? Why is it that they have food? He says, your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? So he's saying there, if God takes care of the birds, don't you think he's going to take care of you? It's an argument from the lesser to the greater. He's saying you're more valuable than birds. If God takes care of the birds, don't you think he's going to take care of you? And then there's this great line in verse 27, where he says, and which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? That's a good question. We should think about more. In fact, that's another thing the world will even confirm. Worry is more likely to take years off of our life than to add years to our life. Anxiety is generally going to cause our health to break down instead of making us live longer and better lives. And then he goes on to the lilies of the field when he's talking about clothing. He's saying, look at the flowers. Are they shopping at, you know, designer stores? You know, do they have all these fashion plans? No, nope. but God, look at them. Look look at how God makes them. Look at how beautiful they are. You know, these flowers of the field, they're, they're worthless. Aren't you of more value than they And he says, but if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Verse 31 says, therefore, do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear for the Gentiles seek after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them all. So there, really, he's saying, how can we practically live lives that are free from worry, free from anxiety? It comes down to, do you trust your father? And that's really, again, when we think about recently talking about prayer and how we even begin our prayers, our father in heaven. Do you really believe that God is your father in heaven? Because that is where we should find our, our hope that we have a father who knows what we need, and he will take care of us. Uh, That's how we can be worry-free. It's not just because three little birds came on my doorstep singing sweet songs, don't worry about a thing. No, it's because I do look out at the birds, and I say, and if they have everything they need, then I know my heavenly father is going to give me everything that I need. So when we think about not worrying, well, yeah, anybody can tell you, don't worry. But there's a unique power when we realize God is my father. Therefore, I don't have to worry. And I don't know what the anxieties might be that you're facing today. We're starting a new week here on this Monday. Maybe there's pressures that. At work, or maybe you're looking out at at this week and uh, the prospect of this presidential inauguration on Wednesday, and what you're concerned about the news and where our country is going, and you're anxious about that. Maybe you're anxious about your health. Uh, Maybe there's just personal conflict in your life that is causing you to worry. Whatever the situation may be, God is your Father. If your faith is in Christ, you can know God is my Father. And he knows exactly what I need. But also we see another compelling reason in giving us instruction on how not to worry in verse 33, a very familiar verse that says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow for tomorrow will be anxious about itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And so we look at all of those things and we realize not only do we not need to worry because God is our Father, also a point of this passage is we don't need to worry because frankly, we've got bigger fish to fry. And if you think about your life this week, whether you're concerned about your work or finances or politics or whatever it may be, as Christians, we have to realize we've got more important things to be concerned about. We want to be concerned about the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Are people around us getting saved? Are we as Christians living the way God has called us to live? There's plenty of things for us to spend the rest of our lives focusing on there. That we don't need to get caught up in some of the the worries of the world. And that's really even what he says. Some of the things that we worry about, hey, those are the things the Gentiles, the heathen, the pagan people worry about. When God has given us different things about which we should be concerned, our our pursuit of Christ the lost around us, we should be concerned about these things. Instead of worrying about our, our retirement account, let's be more concerned about, does everyone around us know the good news of Jesus Christ? So I hope as we start a new week that you will not be anxious this week. But I hope it's not just because you're, you're feeling good vibes this morning. I hope because it's, you know that God is your father. And as you look at it this week, you're even much more concerned with the kingdom of God and his righteousness than you are about anything else that's going on in your life or in this world. And we see a great example of how this is all played out as we look today at Genesis 35 and 30, through 37. Genesis 35 through 37. And here at the beginning of, uh, of chapter 35, the story of Jacob kind of comes full circle. You remember on the way out of, uh, of Canaan, when he, of the promised land, when he is on the run, uh, Earlier in the story, he spends the night in this place called Bethel, and he has this vision. Well, in chapter 35, God brings him back to Bethel to talk to him again there, and Jacob is leading his family there. And he says in verse 3, Then let us arise and go up to Bethel, so that I may make there an altar to the God who answers me in the day of my distress and has been with me wherever I have gone. What an amazing testimony of someone who has learned that he does not need to worry. A person who has learned that I need to seek God first and his righteousness. And what he has learned over these many, many years now is that God answers him in the day of distress and that God has been with him wherever he has gone. And I hope that the more you live the Christian life, you, you are able to echo that same prayer. God has... Always answered me when I've called on him, and he has been with me wherever I have gone. And even what Jesus says there in Matthew chapter 6, when he talks about how your father knows what you need, I think we start to see an interesting playing out of that in Genesis 37, where we're introduced to the character of Joseph. Now, remember, Joseph is uh, one of Jacob's 12 Sons, and he's the firstborn of his favorite wife, Rachel, and, and therefore he clearly becomes his favorite son. And here's kind of an aside little parenting nugget uh, for you today from Revival from the Bible. Don't play favorites with your kids. It doesn't end well. That, we see that multiple times in the book of Genesis. But even it's interesting because what we see happen here to Joseph is that he gets sold into slavery by his brothers. And I'm trusting many of you, you know how the story of Joseph ends. You know how God uses that for good to save that entire family, to save the nation of Egypt, and ultimately to, to save and provide for what would become the nation of Israel. But what I want you to notice is that Joseph's father did not know what he needed. Uh, Joseph's father wanted to pamper uh, Joseph and play favorites with him. And and if that would have gone on, even without God intervening, uh, I don't think that would have ended well for Joseph. God had a different plan. And there are definitely times we're going to see where it was a very painful plan. But God knew what he was doing. Even through the trials that get brought into Joseph's life, God uses those trials, like I said, to to save, really, Joseph's life and mature him, to save his family, to save this young nation of Israel, and to save the nation of Egypt. And so we need to see, sometimes your father does not know what's best for you, but your heavenly father always does. And that's one thing we're going to see from the start here in the story of Joseph. Well, next, let's go to Psalm 11. And again, we we see prayers so often. The Psalms, these ancient songs are really often just expressing prayers to God. And Psalm 11, we'll see some things that go along so well with what we have been seeing here in Matthew 6 and from Genesis, how we do not need to be anxious. In Psalm 11, in verse 4, it says, "...the Lord is in His holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven." His eyes see, his eyelids test the children of man. And no matter what's going on in our world, whether that's personally or looking out at our nation, whatever anxieties we're facing at a new week, we know the Lord is in his holy temple and the Lord's throne is in heaven. And even just those lines, that the Lord is in his holy temple, that his throne is in heaven, that he is testing the children of man, that he is testing the righteous, that he hates the wicked... All these things that it says in Psalm 11, this is the God that we come to in prayer and call our Father. What an amazing context as we think through all the storms, all the chaos in our world. Our Father is in heaven, in His holy temple, on His throne. Really, what do we have to worry about? We should not be anxious for anything because our father isn't just a nice father who knows what we need. He is in heaven on his throne, able to do what we need to do. And even when he allows things that we say, well, what is he doing? God knows what he's doing. Just like we're going to see he knew what he was doing with Joseph. Now we wrap up today in Acts chapter six. And in Acts chapter six, there was a problem in the church where as they were taking care of each other and even taking care of each other's physical needs, there were some that were that were being left out. And as this problem, this legitimate problem is brought up to the leaders of the church, the leaders say something really, really important that they shouldn't drop what they are doing to deal with this problem because the leaders, the apostles, they had a distinct mission and they weren't going give, to give that up. They say in verse Two, that the, the 12 disciples, so the 12 apostles say, it is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Uh, that, that Their mission was to, to preach. And also, as they go on, that their mission is to pray, that they must, verse 4, devote themselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And instead, they chose these different men who were faithful and godly men to uh, lead the charge in solving this particular problem. And, and so we, we see that happening, and we, we learn some things, even how churches run today, how there should be pastors, uh, or another word for pastors would be elders in the church who are focused on prayer and the Word of God and teaching the Word of God. But there also needs to be people who who stand up to serve in ways that meet practical needs. And often we refer to them as deacons in the church today. And this is kind of an example that we see of that here in Acts chapter six. And one of those deacons, a man named Stephen, well, we're going to see a lot more about him in the days to come. But as we start this new week, I want to encourage you, don't you worry about a thing. And not just because, not just because we think everything is going to be all right, But because if your faith is in Jesus Christ, your father who knows exactly what you need is on the throne in heaven. So let's seek first his kingdom and his righteousness no matter what this week.